Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show, we are going to be talking about John Calipari and what he had to say for himself on the coaches show and we're going to dive into some stats and probably take a peek around the rest of the sec basketball also uh, we'll note at the end here a former uk assistant coach that many people had many opinions on got a new job recently but kyle let's start out with john calipari's call-in show he said to tom leach after the game and the loss to seton hall that he was going to take a pass on his coaches show because he had some kind of dental appointment uh, but he Went back on that. I don't know if he canceled his dentist appointment, rescheduled or what, but he was there in person and talked to Tom. I think it, most of the stuff was similar to what he said in the post game, but he did make a couple parallels to former teams. One I think was interesting, and the other one I think is kind of crazily off base unless some of these guys take some steps forward. I'll start with the one that I think is a little bit you know, interesting in the fact that he talked about the tweak year, Kyle, and how he wants these guys on this year's team to be more willing passers, and you only need a couple of them, and that becomes contagious. And he said that year with the Harrisons as freshmen, he went to Andrew, and I think everyone kind of is aware now the tweak was basically, hey, Andrew Harrison, pass the ball more. That was kind of the, the, the tweak if you if you just dumb it down to its its core. And apparently he's going to some of the guys on this year's team and, and trying to convey the same message. Yeah, I think we've talked about this. You know, I, I think I think the secret to them, I think what unlocks them as a team offensively, um, is Ashton Hagen's uh, spread the floor and give him some options and some driving lanes. And give him a simple command to, to to attack and either score or look immediately when he draws the defense uh, to pass. And there's going to be open guys. Um, and he's a guy who has the quickness and athleticism to get to the rack whenever he wants to. Um, he's just got to be confident as he as he attacks, and he's got to be decisive. You know, shoot it, lay it up, dunk it, or or pass it. And I think. So much of it hinges on that. I think he, when he um, becomes comfortable as a facilitator, and it's, I mean, it's not just to, to get other guys the ball. Some of it is, you know, and if you watched him in high school, he used that speed. And you know, people say the John Wall type thing, De'Aaron Fox, because he's fast and really athletic. He would drive in there and dunk on people, and he's been a lot more hesitant at Kentucky so far for whatever reason. But I think when when he puts that together I think they become unlocked and maybe in a hurry um you know Andrew Harrison it was a lot of it was drive and get fouled or drive and and pass the ball um and that worked out pretty well they got a lot of open shots down the stretch and so um you know yeah I I could I could see that a little bit with this team there's probably some other guys I mean I I think Tyler Hero is probably a guy that he wants to be a more willing passer. He doesn't, uh, you know, if the, if the three's not going, he needs to, to put the ball on the floor. But when he does, he's going to be an alert and a willing passer. I think Kyle's called him the worst passer he's ever coached, sort of jokingly. Um, but he's one guy who, uh, you know, it's 
right now it's a missed shot or it's a, a turnover, you know, and, and so that's uh, that's not ideal. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no question about that. I I mean, I find it interesting the kind of where he was talking about how you can basically survive with just a couple willing passers and you know, the Hagen's comparison to John Wall I think is I mean, it's I think it's not fair in the sense that they're obviously not the same player. John Wall was next level number 1 draft pick, but like when you just watch him on the court, there are certain spots where you're like, okay, that guy just has a different kind of athleticism even on the college court compared to the other guys around him and he can do things and looks like he can get places quicker but it's like he hasn't fully figured out how to use that to the best of its ability and the best for the team so if he can start making some of those passes I think it'll help a ton but you know on the flip side of that Kyle oddly I feel like sometimes he doesn't look for his offense and to your point about how he maybe it's maybe it's decisiveness is like the best word for it because he's either got to you know go to the rim or pass it sometimes it looks like he's trying to do all three at once caught him caught in between a little yeah, bit yeah yeah i mean and obviously the most recent example was kind of the fact in the, the last play of the Seton Hall now there was a lot of factors that went into that guys being out of position and etc but he didn't exactly know what to do there so maybe it's decisive miss but if he's a willing passer I think that's that's going to help a ton. The other comparison, Kyle, that I thought um, was just kind of, I see what he's trying to do with it, but I don't think it's fair or right. He he kept he went back to it twice. He was, he come, talked about the title team, and he was going on about how the point guard on that team wasn't the leader. Marcus Teague wasn't the leader. It was Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And I understand the point he's trying to make that you know. The point guard doesn't have to be the leader. We can have P.J. Washington, Keldon Johnson, or Reed Travis lead this team, but, I mean... None, none of those guys are Anthony Davis or Michael K. Gilchrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but what I would say is that P.J. Washington can be. I mean, not he's not Anthony Davis, but he can... I mean, I think I think P.J. Washington... Excuse me. I think P.J. Washington can be the best player in the SEC at his best. Um you know, and that might be enough uh, if they can get that out of him and know that they can count on Reed Travis for 15 and 8 and, you know, begin to lean on Keldon Johnson for some clutch shots. I mean, I think he showed that he's got the, the onions to make those kind of shots, um, which is big uh, in that last game. And, and, you know, one thing I'm working on a piece, just kind of looking at some of these things. What's wrong? What are some potential solutions? And, and you know, how can this team evolve into being a contender one of those is is looking at PJ sort of in depth, uh, and I think I, I shared some of this with you off the air. Throw out the bad games, right? They've played nine games now. Um, he's had uh, four good games, four really good games, five pretty average to bad games. Let's, let's just throw those out because we know the effort's not probably there in those games. But in his best games, statistically speaking, um, even within those, he can do more. And we've heard the coaches say that, like he's ha- he'll have a big game and Cal say, I still want more. Well, what does that mean? So I went to look at that. Uh, in those four good games he's had, in, it, he's done most of his damage in quick bursts. And if you put all those bursts together, they add up to 49 minutes of game clock in those four games where he's really been good. In those 49 minutes, 49, so like – a game and a couple overtimes. 
He's got 86 points, 41 rebounds, 9 assists, 5 blocks, and 3 steals. 86, 41, 9, 5, and 3 in 49 minutes. So think about what those per 40 averages are. Ridiculous. That is incredibly productive in small amounts of time. But in the other 63 minutes in those four games, he has 6.7 rebounds, 3 assists. So he's got 63 minutes of virtual nothing and then 49 minutes of best player in America. And, you know, if they can pull more stretches, I mean, no guy is going to be on, you know, full tilt scoring rebounding machine 100% of his minutes. But if they can, you know, if that's what, 49 good minutes, 63 bad minutes, you know, give them another 20 minutes in there uh, of the good, and P.J. Washington is, is SEC Player of the Year, which I said when he decided he was coming back, I thought he could be. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there was a quote from Cal in the postgame where he said, P.J. at the end of the game, that's who he should be the whole game. That's who you are. Why aren't you getting 35 and 20? Ah, I don't feel like it. What? If that's who you are and you're making free throws and you're doing the things that you're doing, you're as good as any player in the country. Be that guy every night. But it's hard, though. It's really hard to be that guy every night. I mean, you got to bring it. That's a lunch pail. Um, and they, that, you know, that's not the first time they said that about PJ. And and so, like, yeah, let's, are we hold? Go ahead. Let's uh, let's let's dive into that uh, right after uh, a quick break because I do got to tell the guys about out there listening about Sling TV real quick. Uh, if you don't want to pay for a bunch of channels you never watch just because you need your uh, channels to see the your team win. Sling TV is the choice for you. Sling TV is the best way to watch college football, college basketball, NFL. I mentioned on the last podcast how much you, you know the NFL red zone on the sports package is useful. You can check out all the touchdowns from all those out of market games, and you don't have to buy a big ticket I- item. But because thirty bucks a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and a bunch more. You can stream on your big screen and all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel anytime. And right now, Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com/lockedon. That's S-L-I-N-G.com/lockedon. It's a free trial. You got nothing to lose. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. So, Kyle, how can you know they kind of get get PJ Washington to be maximum PJ Washington? Well, well, that's the uh, that's the million dollar question, and I, I think that's I think well, it may have been a question about Nick. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was PJ or Nick when when we had uh, Kenny, uh, Payne. Kenny Payne, and he said, you know, if we knew that, uh, you know, like. If I had a nickel every time somebody asked me that, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't think he's like Alex Poitras. You know, that's a kid who for four years people were going, you know, oh, we see these flashes, but if he could only, you know, I think PJ's played at a much higher level than Poitras in a lot of those, you know, years. I've had people ask me, like, is this a similar thing? I do not think it's a similar thing. I mean, even even factoring in some of the, some of the – you know, the lulls that he has, PJ's had four really good games. Um, and he played, you know, a terrific game, save the free throws, uh, in the last game of last season and had some really good games last season. I, I think PJ, you know, it's not like he's miles and miles away 
Um, but it is, you know, it is just that little bit extra. Like, can you pull a little bit extra out of yourself? And I wonder if he's learning that about himself. Like, if he goes back and watches, and I went back and watched, you know, uh, the difference in him from the first half to the second half, and, uh, you know, he scored 11 straight points. He was super confident, you know, blocking shots, you know, asking for the ball, attacking inside, hitting that little jump hook, um, crashing the glass. He, you know, you can see in some of those moments, like, I know I'm the best player on the floor. Well, you know, if you recognize that, then then do it, you know, go do it. And, you know, he's still, again, he's nine games into his sophomore year in college. We are asking uh, a lot of these guys to go really fast in their maturation. He's playing pretty well for a college sophomore, really well. Um, but, he, again, we're holding him to a higher standard, and I know – there are some people that think that's too high of a standard, but it's because he's the guy who can be the best player on the team. He can be the best player on the floor in, in a given game, right? Almost anybody they play, if P.J. Washington's at his best, he's capable of being the best player on the floor against most teams. Yeah. Duke, that's probably not the case. Duke might be the only team um, that that wouldn't be the case. But he could, at his best, he could compete with those guys from Duke. We saw him at his worst against Duke in that opener. But um, I I just really think, like, he's a guy who is, if he figures this out, if he figures it out, how to go, how to give him, you know, 75% of his minutes at 100% of his effort level, he is a a 25 and 15 guy every night. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and to your point, you know, you talk, you talked about, you know, kind of short bursts there to a certain extent. And the one that always pops in my mind is, is down in Knoxville last season. With, oh, my gosh, with, yeah. Yeah, with the exception of the cramping, he was just utterly dominant. And obviously that slowed him down, the cramping. But that was against the SEC Player of the Year, Grant Williams. That's who he was going up against one-on-one. And, and he was, dom- dominated yeah. him. And, and, and Grant Williams, I think, said, if I can remember right, like basically said, like, P.J., Got in my head. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that was basically the co- quote because I remember being down there and him saying that. And it's that was kind of shocking. Like, wow, he's he yes. admitted that's the case. And, and, and frankly, if if he doesn't cramp up, they don't lose that game because like he he was he was riding hot and they they knew they didn't have an answer for him and he had kind of broken Grant Williams a little bit mentally. Um, yeah, I mean that, that's 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 what I'm saying. Like that PJ can do that and. You know, I, I do think, to be fair to him, we're saying we, he's got to do more, he's got to do more. When they needed him in a huge game in the Sweet 16, he delivered. Now, he didn't make his free throws, but effort-wise, he totally delivered mm-hmm. in that game against Kansas State. When they needed him uh, against Seton Hall in the second half, down the stretch, he put the team on his back. I mean, he's the reason they had a chance. And, and by the way, he made a great play on the inbound to Kelton Johnson. I mean, all the love's going to go to the shot, but he made a great play there. Uh, you know, and ideally he would have gotten the ball at the end of overtime. And, and I, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he, he's delivered. Now the, the Duke game was a dud, but it was a universal dud. And he was, you know, there were, there was foul trouble and the game got out of hand. And, and at that point, you know, you're not going to be going uh, power up in the paint when you're down by 25 you know it's that that's not really a game for pj to shine once it gets out of hand but um i think he's a guy who has risen to the occasion more than once and that at knoxville i mean that's one of the toughest places kentucky ever plays and, and you know pre-cramps he's 
he totally uh, rose to that moment and was dominant. So um, I, I think there's a good chance that PJ puts it all together and has a really good stretch uh, coming up. But, you know, I think that's encouraging. I think Ashton Hagen's is continuing very steadily, maybe a little bit slowly, but steadily uh, developing into a point guard that Calipari trusts on both ends. Well, and that's like, you know, what? I was just going to, the, the other thing that, that, that kind of stuck out to me while listening to Calipari yesterday, he made specific reference to Hagens. He didn't name him, uh, but on that second to last defensive possession, I think that's right, where he got, where Hagens ended up with the ball. And as opposed to giving it up or trying to, well, he tried to dribble away, but giving it up to a better free throw shooter, he kept it, got fouled, only hit one of two. And Cal said that he told him to get rid of it. And so yeah. that, that was, I mean, but to your point there, Kyle, that's kind of a step that he needs to take either A, making his free throws, or B, being you know conscientious enough that to know that he needs to get, get the ball to somebody else. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I, I think that's very fair. Um I was trying to look. I, I was just looking at his free throw statistics the other night, though, and I think he's actually – I mean, he's 8 of 10 from the free throw line for the season. How has he only shot 10 free throws? That's well, and see, that's the – like, that's at the heart of it, right? Like, that is that is at the heart of uh, what needs to happen for Ashton Higgins. He needs, to, he needs to have three times that many. I mean, he's got 10 free throw attempts on the season. Kellen Johnson has 60. Wow, and he's the only bad free throw shooter on the team. Bad, relatively speaking. Kelvin Johnson, sixty-eight percent. This is a great free throw shooting team. Uh, I mean, you've got Hagen's eighty percent, Quade's eighty-nine, Quickly's eighty-four, Tyler Hero's eighty-nine, PJ Washington, by the way, up to seventy-one percent this season. I think he went twelve of thirteen the other night. Yes. Uh, Reed Travis, seventy-five percent. So as we talk about all the things that have to get better, they're they are good. They're Calipari by far right now. Calipari's best free throw shooting team. It's been a thorn in their side at times. They're the number one team in the country in offensive rebound percentage and rebound margin. Um, you know, there there's some there's some good stuff happening, um, but the three point issue on both ends is a real problem, right? So far, uh, through nine games, opponents have made uh, eighty three. Um, 82 threes and Kentucky's made 50. So that is a as a 96 point disparity. Wow. Uh, almost 11 points a game gap and just from beyond the three point line. Now Kentucky has way more free throws. They they have 206 free throws made to opponents 98, um, which is huge. Like because they're getting the ball inside, that's huge, right? That's a huge advantage. But you've almost completely negated. That's 100 108 more free throws they've made than their opponents. But then they've given up 96 points from difference in the three-point line. So um, not making enough and not stopping uh, opponents from making threes has just – I mean, really, that's kind of what the season boils down to because there's so many other good things going for them. They're they're able to score in the post. They're rebounding like crazy. They're they're getting to the free-throw line. They're making shots or making their free throws. Uh, But the three-point – defense and the ability to make threes is like is what it all comes down to for this team and again it's spread the floor convince you know get ashton Hagen's comfortable driving and attacking getting more free throws for him and getting open looks for other people and then you know it comes down to guys actually making them because people you'd count on to do that uh hero 
and, and Emmanuel quickly have been kind of on cold streaks, but I don't think those continue. Yeah, and uh, coming up next, I do have one final note from Calipari's call-in show about a shooter, and then two quick football things that I wanted to mention before we get out of here. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So John Calipari was asked about Jamal Baker. Obviously, he played one minute up in New York. And Cal said on his coaches show that right now Jamal Baker is the 10th man, which is, you know, Kyle, kind of what you would expect him coming back from injury, trying to get back in shape of uh, the condition of actually playing games and all those things. Um, but Cal said he told Jamal, when you get your chance, become the seventh man, become the sixth man, maybe even work your way into the starting rotation. And, you know, to, to the, all the points that you just rolled through there about three-point shooting, he has an opportunity, despite from uh, despite the fact that he started kind of behind the other guys. They need guys that can make shots. Yeah, if ever there was like a niche role that a guy could come in 10 games into the season and carve out, it would be, for this team, a three-point shooter. You know, almost – obviously he's got to be more than like a cardboard cutout on defense and you know what kind of conditioning is he in to to you know play defense because you got to be in shape to do that um but assuming he's more than a cardboard cutout on defense he can at least hold his own a little bit uh i think you've got to consider him an option because of what i mean by all accounts he's got to do it in a game but by all accounts every time we've ever seen him shoot or warm up and everything anyone says about seeing him in practice over the last year and a half, he is a great, pure three-point shooter. He's got a great stroke. He, he kills the, the three-point drill. You know, in the little bit of time he's been healthy enough to practice, they say he, he fills it up. And so I believe that he really is a good three-point shooter. He was a great three-point shooter in high school. I think he led the uh, – was he Under Armour? Yes. Uh, yes. Whatever circuit he was on, he led, I think, in three-point – shots made uh before he got to kentucky i mean he's a guy who can can make threes and they right now don't have very many of those um you know quad a green is one but he's a liability on defense so uh, you know jamal baker's what four or five inches taller at least uh gives you something if those are your options that gives you another one of those options so um, if I'm anybody on this team that's considered a, a shooter and, and that's my primary weapon of contribution, I, you know, I'm looking over my shoulder right now at, at uh, Jamal Baker. I think it's it's pretty big that he at least checked into a game and, and now seems to be available. Yep. Uh, so the two quick football notes I wanted to get to as we wrap up here. One, uh, John Hale, our buddy at the Courier-Journal, tweeted out today as we're recording this on Wednesday about lunchtime today. He said, if you want to sit in the U.K. fan section at the Citrus Bowl and don't have tickets set, you probably need to act fast. Less than 300 tickets remain from U.K.'s 9,000 allotment. So <laughs> sounds like Citrus Bowl made a wise choice in picking Kentucky, Kyle. <laughs> They're buying up those tickets. Everybody wants to get down in Orlando for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get a Florida Bowl game, I think, and especially a program like Kentucky where you don't get a bunch of those, uh, around the holiday, I think it's and, and it's a matchup people can get excited about. There's yeah. so much going on for this season. Like that, to me, if I was if I was a bowl like that, and you haven't had Kentucky in ever, right? Ever, I think. Have yes. you ever been in the Citrus Bowl? Yeah, uh, this is their first time in it. Yeah, I mean, when you got when you when you can do that, you know that the fan base is going to be fired up. I'm I'm curious to see what you know beyond their allotment. Like how many total Kentucky fans show up? I would guess it'll be a I don't know. Will they outnumber Penn State 
that uh, yeah. holds a hundred hundred thousand in their home stadium. I don't I don't know. I'm not ready to make a prediction on that yet, but it will be interesting to see. And honestly, I think that Kyle, they've just all the all those fans have just been listening to this podcast and are taking your advice about enjoying this historic Kentucky football season. I think so. Yep. Many thousands. And if you want to advertise with us to these many thousands of people, you should send us an email at lockedonkentucky at gmail.com. Is that right, Curtis? Yes, lockedonkentucky at gmail.com. And we should point out, you know, we say we're based out of Lexington, but we have listeners all over the state, so you don't need to just be in Central Kentucky to advertise on this podcast. we got a ton of listeners in Louisville and a bunch up in Northern Kentucky. So if you're listening to us in that part of the state, you probably there's a probably a good chance people that would go to your business are also listening. So just shoot us an email and we can get you a ton more information. Finally, DJ Elliott's got a new job, Kyle. He's basically I'm wondering if he'll just flip all his like I guess if if he flipped his shirts inside out, would the K UK turn to K U? I don't think it works that way. I don't think that's how letters work. <laughs> Les Miles hired, hired DJ Elliott as his defensive coordinator at Kansas. Uh, so uh, that was just an interesting note and uh, kind of a blast from the past that many UK fans have thoughts about. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's been. Uh, he wasn't super popular here because the defense had still not put it all together. I don't know how much of that was on him and how much of it was just the slow build uh, that it was it was taken to to get this defense. I mean, even after he left, it was still another, what, year or two. And, and um, you know, now they're rolling. But I, I I think Mark Stoops has a ton of respect for DJ. Yes. DJ was a player at Wyoming when Mark was there. And they uh, were at Houston together and then Florida State together. And he brought him here and stuck with him for a while until it was kind of, you know, I think he had to kind of make a move. And DJ has but done just fine since he left town. Defensive coordinator at Colorado, now defensive coordinator uh, at Kansas and um, yeah, very likable guy. Not the most, not the most outgoing interview I've ever uh, encountered. <laughs> but uh, but I like DJ Elliott, and uh, it's good to see him find a home. Yep, no no doubt about that. So um, be sure to be following along for on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can find us on Facebook, Locked On Kentucky. Uh, Kyle mentioned that that piece he was running in the Athletic. Kyle, let people know where they can read that and where they can follow you on social media. Yeah, it'll be coming uh, just as soon as I take care of my latest children's illness uh, at theathletic.com and on the Athletic app. Um, they can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. I'm on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Locked on Kentucky. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked on Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Sorry, I had my phone on mute while you were doing that.